Hello and welcome to the Ramblings of a Saint podcast. I'm your host Johnny Lou, and joining me today is from well former co-host of the Red Robin podcast. It is and former Hull Cake. Our correspondent is Joe Appleyard. Say hello, Joe. Hello, mate. Good to be on. Um, listening to the podcast over the years and that, and it's nice to be asked to come on, mate, and have a chat and chinwag about the best sport in the world. Of course, Joe. And uh, get into a bit about you, talk about kind of um, your origins in rugby league as well. So um, tell us a bit about, you know, how you got into rugby league. Was it from birth, like most of us, or did you grow into it? And uh, yeah. Yeah, so started playing for Eastall when I was about four or five. You know, played there for numerous years. Signed for Hull KR scholarship at the time when I was in year nine. So I'd have been about, well, yeah, 13, 14, around that point. Moved to Westall um, with players, you know, like Jez Litton and Jordan Lane who were playing Super League now. Nico Mealy was playing for in the um, one of the feeder teams in the NRL. So we had a really good team back then. Signed for Rovers under-19s. Played a few years there, went on loan to Newcastle for a little bit, um, broke my ankle, uh, went to Australia, came back because of an ankle issue as well, and then obviously got into the journalism side when I knew my career was, you know, more or less over because of numerous injuries, which was upsetting, but I had to try and make a positive out of it. So, yeah, started the Red Robin podcast. It's called The Robin Pod now. Um with, you know, Chris Johnson. Oh, they from... made another rebrand. <laughs> yes, they have. I think they've rebranded it, you know, um, for the new fresh season. So, yeah, I really enjoyed doing that. Obviously, it was through a bit of a decent time because it was the end of COVID for all KR and then it was a 2021 season with under Tony Smith when they did quite well, you know, got to the semi-finals of Super League and then I left to pursue other ventures just to do a bit of freelance work because I wanted to get into that and then managed to bag the, you know, Hull KR reporter role at Hull Live. And, you know, I, I got to see two semi-finals, a final, saw the uproar, that you know, the Tony Smith departure, the Willie Peters era. It's been a really roller coaster six, seven years, you know, for me um, personally. And obviously now I've left and I'm just going to be back being a sole Hull KR fan now, which I'm really looking forward to. But yeah, loved every minute of that, doing the podcast, you know, coming on, doing these podcasts. I love chatting rugby league with anyone, you know, about anything. And um, yeah, it was a pleasure to obviously report on a very good, well, two two and a bit years at Hull KR. Um, and now looking forward to moving on and getting back in the stands. So yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Well, so you've had quite a uh, unique sort of side to it than the average mm. fan, haven't you? Because you've seen kind of, um, it, it must, like, obviously being a Hull KR fan and then getting to go behind the scenes slightly. Um, well, having more of an insight behind the scenes than the average fan. Um, what was like that sort of like, how did you find that? Was it, yeah, a, it was quite an easy transition from fan to reporter or was it quite difficult? It, it was and it wasn't. Some bits were tough. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It, it, like, obviously, we'll go on to the 2023 season, but as much as like getting to a Challenge Cup final was absolutely amazing, for me, it was like, oh, God, I've gone with my family and my friends for years, and then I had to work it. And, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the derbies when my friends are in the pub from 12 o'clock and I'm getting at work, and, you know, you know, obviously, it's, it's yeah. peaks, peaks and troughs of the job. But then, on the other hand, getting to fly with Rovers to the preseason camp with Tenerife, you know, going for meals with a team, being close to the head coach Willie Peters and, you know, get, getting to go to Catalan with them on the Jets and stuff. It, that was an unbelievable experience and then it's always hard when the lose when you obviously you've got to ask the tough questions and in your you, you know you're upset yourself that they've got beat and you've yes. got to kind of pave your emotions and not go to Willie. That was absolutely rubbish. What's going on when you've got to try and put a positive spin on it? Uh, but overall, I think obviously it helps that there was more majority positive things going on. I know in the past. You know, like James O'Brien and people like that who covered all Kingston Rovers, they had a bit of a poor time doing it because of how poor Rovers were on the field. So I got the lucky end of the stick. Um, and then obviously we don't know what's going on with the coverage next season. It's still up in air, obviously, uh, to leave because of the company making cuts and that. But um, yeah, no regrets. Really enjoyed it. Some highs, some lows, some tough moments and some really good ones. But yeah, I, I think I quite quickly got the grips of, you know, let's, I'm a reporter as over being a fan, yes. but then, in, in, you know, personally and then driving home with my mates. So we're really good as well because we've gone for years together and obviously I had to get to the ground earlier and leave later. So they they sacrificed a lot over the last year and a half and, you know, now I get to repay and by being back with them in the stand. So we're all looking forward to that as well. 
Yeah, you owe them a lot of taxi rides, don't you? <laughs> well, to be fair, they got a free drive to the stadium and sometimes free tickets, so now they can start giving me petrol when oh, I'm travelling well, up to your neck of the woods on a Friday because I'll probably be the driver again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that two-and-a-half-hour trip, buddy hell. It's, yeah. it's a grim... It's a, at least you on you know, you don't have to do it often. <laughs> you, you yeah, have, well, I, 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 I always theory, argue this, though. I do argue this, John, because obviously our, apart from LFC, our fairest, our closest away day is probably Castleford, which is, you know, still a good hour from East also. Well, that's you true, know, you, you guys always have a few away days that are only 10, 20 minutes away, so we're that's quite very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah, apart from the whole derby, you're pretty Yeah, exactly, that. exactly. That's just a nice five-minute drive down the road. So. And uh, and yeah, you say you got the you got the easy end of the stick with the current kind of situation on field and off field because over yeah. the years Hull KR have been not up to standard on both sides, especially you and during your kind of um, mm. upbringing as a fan. And it's really great to see this change of mentality they've had since getting promoted well since getting relegated really because once they got relegated they kind of changed this mindset of you know the club's up for sale this that, and the other they got more investments um from the outside and it is one of the clubs that is now a flagship i think to every club that is up and coming um especially under img and yeah it, it must be it must be a proud moment for you Hull KR fans at the minute yeah, it is. I think they've got a lot of smart people running the club as well. Obviously, I think when when they got relegated and then when they came back up, it was still just Neil Udrell on his own. Um, yeah. Whereas now he's brought back Paul Lakin, who was who was OKR's CEO in the you know in the early two thousands and the early years of Super League, but he's gone to go on to Stoke and Wolves in the Premier League. So he's a very smart man, Paul, and he he kind of runs the operation now with Willie Peters. But then above that, now you've got Neil as the owner. You've got Paul Sewell, who is the chairman, and Sewell Group, obviously for those around these neck of the woods, know how big Sewell Group is in and around the area. You know the projects they do, and um, you know the garages around, you know all the um, the surrounding areas, um, and then David Kilburn, who you know has made a fortune with MKM, a building supplies company in the area. They actually own and um, they sponsor Hull City's um, and LFC Stadium, the MKM, of course. So yeah, they've got some very powerful people in James McNichol who um, he's got a business in London and America his dad Colin used to actually own the club but James is a you know I'm not putting it lightly here he's got a lot of money in the bank and he's obviously a Rovers fan as well at heart so they've got some good people around them and they're getting all the they're getting the foundations in because like you mentioned there IMG this is going to be a it's going to be a long process and we're already seeing some clubs crumble and the cracks appearing. You know, you only have to look at what's happening at places like Salford and, you know, obviously London have come up, but they're going to have a tough year. Whereas Rovers, yeah, unfortunately, they're still not over the line silverware-wise, but for the club and the whole organisation, obviously I've seen it as a player when I was there and then as a fan and then as a reporter and now back as a fan. But honestly, hand on heart, this club is in the strongest position it's probably ever been in. And hopefully that can replicate now on the pitch because they are talking the talk. They've got to go and walk up the walk now, but more pressure, more responsibility, talking about getting in the playoffs, getting to another major final. It's nice, it's refreshing, mate, because five, six years ago, it was, you know, hopefully we can, you know, beat, beat all a few times and maybe finish 10th and 9th, you know, and that was where we was at, and there's no yeah. point adding from it, whereas now... You, you people in the city expect OKR to be up there, and the fan gr- and the the memberships are growing. There's a buzz around the you know the east side of the city, and long may that continue. But they've got everything in place now. They're still a work in progress, but they've got more eyes on them, and they've probably got a bigger target now. So let's see how we can react, and it's nice to be in this position. Yeah, because absolutely no way five years ago, if you'd have asked us, if you'd have known about the IMG system and the grading system, if you'd have said. Where a Hull KR, there's no way you'd have put them in the top six clubs in 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 Britain <laughs> no. a few years ago, and now you're like, yeah, if if not, they should be really pushing for a top four kind yeah. of system, and and that should be where they're at. Um, and all this has led on to some great success on field, as you've said, getting to that Challenge Cup final last year. Um, and let's talk a little bit. Let's have a little review on last season. So you finished fourth in the end. Was that 
Um, what was kind of what was kind of your, your good points? Obviously, you had that Challenge Cup run, which ended in heartbreak at the end because you should have really won that um, as a whole. <laughs> Thank you. So, someone else has said that. Yeah, I mean, probably won't <laughs> cover it loads, but I was also yeah. Um, that set in extra time. I don't think I can ever watch it again. And Schneider going for a drop goal <laughs> four meters out. I'd, you know, all I don't the, think uh, we'll get a better chance to win the Challenge Cup, but. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 nice to open wounds and get your emotions out. But every time I talk about it, I'm like, what happened there? But yeah, um, so good 2023, mate. It was so weird. Obviously, you look back and you look at the team who actually started the season compared to the team that finished it. You know, people like Frankie Halton joined Lee. You've got Lachlan Coote, who was the you know, highest paid player at the time, who you know well from his time in the Red yeah. V, who just couldn't get going at Rovers. And, yeah, yeah, I know I've heard you speak about him so many times. And if we'd have got <laughs> half of what he, he gave you, then he'd have produced a lot more. And unfortunately, Coote was very disappointing because of obviously he's written the HIA reasons and obviously we respect his decision to retire. But it was tough when you're offering such big money and you have a big name player coming who you think can change the fortunes of the club and then he's in and out every single week. It was hard, but yeah, he had a really tough time. You know, you lose Sean Kenny Dowell for four or five games due to suspension when it was that rule where he put his hands on somebody's back and yes. they went down injured and it was just like, right, OK. Um, started off well, obviously beat Wigan in round one, beat Salford in round two and you're thinking, oh, here we go. Yeah, beat you guys. <laughs> um, but and then there was a little bit of a dip where you lose three on the bounce and you, you, know, then you pick up a 14-0 victory overall FC on Good Friday. And it was, a, it was a real weird season because there was some games where you'd lose. Like I remember Warrington away and just thinking, I was still not, can't capitalise on these games. But then you'd break Hoodoo's bar, you know, beating you guys, beating Catalan, going to Huddersfield and winning, which we very rarely to do. Um, and... I just think the mentality and the sw- the chopping and changing that Rovers had to do and bringing people like Cesar Rougier from Catalan and Tangi Zenon and you know who'd have thought Brad Schneider had come over to OKR and do what he did. Yeah. It was such a it was such a weird season, and I think the team and everybody as a whole managed it really well. Um, obviously, just couldn't get over that finish line, and there was very, so disappointed what happened at Wembley. But I think if you can take what a positive from that is, that then when obviously we came to you guys five days later and you give us a bit of a tongue because I still think yes. our hearts were in our mouths and we were still, you know, quite emotional. After that, we ended up winning seven, eight on the bounce and then finished fourth. You know, we were seventh. That and I think four, six points behind fourth when you guys beat us at your place. And Something then, like um, that, yeah. Yeah, and then got some players back had some big results, you know, beating teams around us, putting 50 past Lee, which again, I think revenge was on the cards. Salford, places like that, you'd go away to Huddersfield, Wakefield on the final day, putting 58 on them to get fourth. And then, you know, to, to beat Lee in the playoffs as well was kind of a sweet moment, but, you know, it doesn't nest the wounds that happened in London for sure. And then you yeah. know, just falling short to a Wigan team in the semi, which I think was probably just one step too far at that point. I think it, I, I went, it was definitely I went one game confident. too far for you. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, hundred percent. You know what? I went into it confident because I thought there's going to be four and a half thousand Rovers fans coming. We've got quite a strong team. We know the end's coming for probably Kenny Dowell at the time. We knew, but we didn't know Kane Lynette was going to retire. It was Schneider's possibly last game. People who were moving on and. You never know what could happen, but then, you know, as much as we'll bite our tongue, and especially for you guys, as good, you know, you, you look how good Wigan were in that semi, and there was clinical in that final, weren't they? I think it had took a miracle for either, you know, Rovers or Catalan to have beaten um, in them games. So, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we, you know, obviously, you had our ups and downs, more ups than downs, our best ever Super League finish. So close, minutes away from ending that silverware hoodoo. Um, but yeah, they've made the bed now, and they've set the standards, and they've got, you know, we'll speak about their ins and outs, I'm sure, soon but they've, they've invested more and um yeah looking forward to seeing what they can do they'll look at they'll look back at 2023 with hopefully the season it changed for the better in the first season under Willie Peters where you kind of can see them foundations in but I do think ultimately at the end of the end of the day they still should have won that challenge cup final and um yeah I, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not too bitter about what happened at Wigan I do think Wigan you know absolutely took us to the cleaners didn't they and they went on and won it and rightly so they deserved to but yeah still think about that cup final now you've mentioned it I've, I've mentioned it about five times now it's the first time I've spoke about it since August Honestly, I think I think I've now got the title for this podcast. It's just going to be Hulk AR Cup Final, Cup Final, Cup. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. It's been, it's been mentioned rooms. about ten times. Of it. it has, it has, mate. It has. That's the thing. It's um, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll move on from that. I can't remember what happened now. <laughs> but uh, of course, like as a whole, much more positives than negative. Yeah. Um, 
but I do. There is there is one game that um, really will live in kind of my memory because I got a lot of stick on Twitter from Saints fans about this, and it was when you guys played Wigan. I think it was round around round fourteen ish, or maybe maybe a bit later, and um, you guys were up pretty much twice by about twelve points within the game, and the defense was all over the shop. Um, and Wigan were abysmal in that game, and they went on to win it last minute. And there was there was a couple of dodgy refereeing decisions, but for both sides as well. And it seemed to me that it was kind of a a, a thing with the Rovers was their defensive side. It was kind of very all over the place all season. Do you think that's one place that needed improving in the off season for this coming season, or? Are you not really worried necessarily about that side of it? I think, I think, yeah, I know what you're talking about, Liam Farrell, are you in Golden Point? When Misty scored yes. on the hooter and then he went to Golden yeah, Point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there were some moments, mate, where obviously defence has been a massive issue for Rovers over the years. You know, even under Tony Smith, the, all the talk and COVID, oh, they play really good rugby Rovers, but we'll concede 40, but we'll give the fans a few tries to cheer about and that. But defence has shored up. I 100% see that. Oh, you know, I, I agree been, completely. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. There has, there was some incidents, especially this jumping out. And I know coaches do tell the wingers to jump out and the centres get locked in and it does happen. But, yeah, there was times where there was them frailties appear. But, again, now you've you got Brett Delaney, who was his first season in charge. You know, Willie Peters was a halfback by trade, so he was obviously the general coach. Then there was Maguire at the time, who was focusing on the attack. Um, so the defence was always going to improve, I think, and it has done. But, yeah, I do think there was games at times where you do concede a sloppy try and you do make mistakes but they are learning and the the, the the majority of a youthful team and they are going to make mistakes like that but yeah like you said they they did have a two score advantage over Wigan and let them in the 73rd and the 80th minute and the, yes. the, annoying, the annoying thing for me was that in that game was um Obviously, the hooter had gone, and I think by the time Wigan had passed it to Miski on the wing, it was about twenty seconds into the you know over over added time, if you want to call it. And from a reporter's job, I'd already got my match report ready, and I had to change it, so that was frustrating <laughs> as well. I got ready oh, to send no. it off, and then I was like, "The hell, we're going to Golden Point again now. I'll have to refresh it all." But yeah, so I understand what you mean. The, the, there was very more structured in defence, and they've added more aggression. Um, and I think it'll be interesting now when we're moving on to next year and stuff. Now they've got a bit of a new look fullback in Peter Hicku, see what he can do controlled in the numbers and that. So they've got obviously had a, a long pre-season to get the defence in order. Brought in Danny Ward as well as the assistant. So yeah, yeah. On. And, he, and yeah. Willie Peters has said that he's focusing on defence with Brett Delaney. And then obviously Dave Hodgson helps the wingers and the attack and Willie Peters is the head head coach. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that's like this year um, as well. And again, they're all working progress is out the combination take time in attack and combinations ultimately take time in defence as well, don't they? I think people forget that. Oh, massively. You, you know, it, you look at the bigger picture, don't you? And you're always like, from a Rovers point of view, now you're going, what's Mikey, Lewis and Tyro May going to be like and Petter Hicko in the spam? But you look and you've got rid of Kenny Dowland replaced him with Gildart. You've got Tanganoa in for Kane Lynette and you're like, they've got to react as well in defence with Ryan Hall and whoever's the halfback on that yeah. side, whatever the way to go. So it's going to be interesting. But yeah, understand where you're coming from there. There were some times where it was um, a little bit worrying, but I think overall there was some, they wanted to play for each other and they wanted to defend for each other. And I always think now you can look at Rovers, if they're force and error, you only have to look at the likes of Elliot Minchella and George King who run in and celebrate like they've scored a try yeah. in the past. It won't be seen as a quality, whereas Willie's massive on celebrate them little wins, and I think over time that paves the way to success. Exactly that, because like to put a little saint spin on it, like you were mm. saying before about, um, you know, used to used to concede sort like forty and then you know score like a good few tries and whatever, and you know keep the fans happy. That was like kind of what Saints were like under Millward back in the day, where we'd mm. kind of you know. You score as many as you want, we'll try and outscore you, kind of mentality. Yes. And yeah. um, now you look at the Saints outfit and it's completely different to what it was. Obviously, the game's changed in them 15 years between, well, nearly 20 years between now. Um, but you look at like the game and it's really based on defence, the modern mm. game. And you look at Saints when it was under Holbrook. Holbrook, the defence was solid, but the attack was scintillating. And then we changed to Christian Wolf, who was very much, no, we win these games by grinding out victories, by, you know, playing def playing a defensive style, having that compact defence, having, like you say, the winger, 
the wingers or centres jamming in when necessary. And it kind of took Saints, that transition between Holbrook to Wolf, kind of took us quite drastic um because we went on a bad run after the World Cup Challenge against Roosters mm. and we ended up losing quite a few and luckily COVID came in for us to kind of work on that defence and like you were saying, it does take a while to adjust defence and get just like attacking combinations and that kind of, it kind of does need patience from that side and hopefully after this off-season and we come into 2024 with a fresh kind of fresh look, fresh coaching staff with obviously Danny Ward, as you mentioned, coming in for Danny Maguire. That was um, quite a strange off-season for you guys, wasn't it? Coming towards the back end of the, just before the semi-final, wasn't it? It kind of uh, started rumours going about about the coaching situation. There was rumours that Danny Maguire had been banished by Willie Peters, which I think got quashed pretty quickly. And, um, And then eventually, you know, Danny Ward ended up swapping the bright lights of Cass coming over to Rovers. And then Danny Maguire was rumoured to have the head coach job and then he ended up being assistant at Cass. So it's kind of been a bit of a bit of an off-season drama, hasn't it, at OKR in that side? <laughs> yeah, it really was. And obviously at the time, it was when my time as a reporter was coming to an end. And honestly, hadn't like you know, I always say this to people, when people are asking me what was going on, I, you, I couldn't get in. It was one of them them situations where you was never going to find out the, the bigger yeah. picture. Probably was it handled the right way, you know? I could speak for probably not, you know? But you, you, it's gone now and hindsight's a wonderful thing. It's so strange because... You know, speaking to Magsy last year, he, he, you know, when he was interim coach in 2022, that was like when I was just the early days as the reporter, and he was great to work with. You know, it was when the club were going through a tough, tough time on the injury front. He yes. took over, and you know, one of the games it was when we beat all with 16 players, and there was three academy lads on the bench, and that was probably one of his proudest moments. And he really loved the club, and I think he still does. And you only had to see when he left when he did that statement. He very rarely goes on social media, Danny Maguire, but he took to the um, obviously Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, to just say thank you and stuff i don't yeah. think it was, i don't think it was his choice you know let, let's be frank there it, it probably wasn't because he signed a three-year deal and it, that was the most strange thing the fact that he'd been offered a, a longer contract you only had to see a few weeks back when the schneider got that drop goal him and willie peters hugging on the yeah. pitch and the motions and then you think what's happened between now and then you'll probably never know and but i always say in this situation and not backing willie because i've worked with him for a year but He's the head coach. If he wants that, you've got to trust him because yeah, he's the exactly. man who he's the man who's getting paid the big bucks to lead this side. And if it doesn't work, and it, 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 he'll take it hand on that, and then he's the one to blame, isn't he? But what he's done so far, getting rid of players, you know, we haven't even spoke about Jordan Abdul yet, have we? You know what I mean? The, <laughs> the, the, the players that he's got rid of, we, who were we'll on bigger on contracts, that, yeah, yeah. But like and, he's uh, made some big, big calls this season, or like again, you mentioned yeah. first thing getting rid of a Frankie Halton, and people like, oh my god, what's happening in here? Then he'll sign players in who actually work wonders and that. So what he's done so far, a majority have paid off. So we hope that can carry on, and until it does, and the proof will be in the pudding, you've just got to sit back and say, we've got to trust Willie Peters because he's the man in charge. Whatever we say, we can complain about Abdul or Maguire or anyone going until the cows come home. It's not going to bring them back. Willie Peters no, exactly. has had that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it was a really strange off-season. Obviously, some players left. Some play, Like Reese Kennedy got released early from his contract, players like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, that's so, there's, so there's been so much, you know, you can... It's probably been one of the most hectic off-seasons, but I think it's probably a case of, it's Willie Peters' second season, and you only have to see him football, don't you, like with the transfer windows and that. If managers can keep the job for a year, they kind of start to mould their backroom staff. Now, he's brought in Phil yeah, exactly. Bryant, he's brought in somebody from the Rabbitohs, who's the operational manager now. Yeah, Obviously yeah, he's got, yeah. You know, he was very close to getting Frazette Tyson. For those. So, he, he wants to build his own team, and he's, he's building his own team now but his own team's also in the backroom staff. And I know they've increased the numbers of the physio department, things like that. They've brought in more backroom staff. So, yeah, it's exciting times and you do get a few casualties. But I think it just shows that Magsy was a real respected character. And obviously, you know, as a, as a Leeds player, watched him for so many years, torment Rovers and other sides over the years. And But he was great for Rovers um, and wish him all the best at cash. You know, I think fair play to him. He could have took the, to- the top role there, but he wants a few more years as assistant. And I have no doubt in the future... 
you know, he'll be a great coach, whether that be, you know, Castleford, Leeds, Rohair, you never know, do you? But I think he, he left Rovers, obviously not on the best terms, but I don't think there was any malice in it where Rovers have gone, see you, then you've gone, like, obviously it's been Willie's call or the board, whatever, but, you know, the move on, and I think he did really good for Rovers and wish him all the best. He was a nice bloke, Danny. Yeah, exactly that. And you've kind of you kind of covered a lot of good topics there that we're going to go into, and kind of yeah. them big calls by Willie Peters have really been... I love seeing that, like from your head coach to kind of go, no, this is what's happening. Yeah. This is kind of, this is the direction I want to go. This is where we know. And having Danny Ward step in, it's, it, it that also brings that head coach experience as an assistant, which kind of, you know, the Saints have it with Lauren Fraser new at the minute. Um, with the head coach experience, that can also work drastically in the favour because they, they know how players tick. They know how they work. And um, they can also bring their own style and work with Willie. Willie's obviously seen something in Danny Ward that he's gone, right, I want him in. Um, and then, obviously, you go on to the calls about, you know, Jordan Abdul. Um, we'll go into your transfers in a sec. That is yeah. the outside huge because up until his injury last year, he was leading the Man of Steel charts. He was kicking people to death. And... Um, there was a lot of calls that that was the only thing he could do, which I think were very <laughs> unjust because I, I do think he is a very good halfback. Um, I'm quite surprised at that as well because bringing in Danny Ward, you'd have expected Danny to go, look, you know, he's worked with him, hasn't he, in the past at London? Yeah, yeah, London. Um, and kind of seeing that and kind of seeing that situation, Willie's obviously made the call that no, Tyrone May is going to be the six with Mickey Lewis at seven. And then that call on the outside is a, is a major one because if, you know, if Tyrell May doesn't settle, he doesn't kick on, people will be going, well, why'd you let Jordan Abdul go? But then if he does kick on and, and you have a even better season without Jordan Abdul, it comes out to be a masterstroke and, and everything's gone right. And then with it only being a loan deal as well, there is that thing of, well, if Tyrone does want to go join his brothers, you can always recall him if necessary as well and and the kind of um although it doesn't seem like that because i think catalan have an option don't they to take it mm. as a free transfer so it's kind of them big calls as a fan it must be good to see as well that you've got someone who has this vision yeah it is and this just jordan abdul whatever you can want to call it episode it has it's been going on hasn't it? um you know and he's, i think what you've got to look at is the fact that he's been injured i think he's played for rovers for three four seasons now and i think the most games he's ever played was 14 in a season and don't get me wrong Ooh. when he's on fire and when he's ticking he's a brilliant halfback that's but that's I, like a third of the total games though like, yeah, there's a real, there's a real, I think there's a stat where obviously Abdul played for us on loan as well in 2017. I'm sure he's been at the club like two or three seasons more than like a Mikey Lewis or something. Mikey's had more appearances or something, something daft like that. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. Just it, it kind of, and I think obviously you can't read too much into rumours and what everybody says online and I won't speculate and I won't, you know, put on record yeah, why exactly. it happened because I won't, I won't know personally myself. But you look at Willie's comments when you go, he talks about the whole KR way, doesn't he? He talks about being fit and fighting for your place. If nobody yeah. wants... It's it, it's it's no surprise that he does an interview saying, I want players who want to fight for their place. And if people don't want to be at this club, yeah, exactly. fight, they can go. It doesn't matter who you are. Two days after Catalan announced Jordan Abdul's yeah, so you yeah, can yeah. kind of see, has that been a factor? But do you know what? When you look at it as well, I always think there's a few factors on the field as well that's affected this. Obviously, Rovers and that Jordan Abdul have used him at 13 over time, but Rovers' yeah. his best player probably at the minute is Elliot Minchella, the, the new captain at, who, plays, who plays 80 minutes at loose forward. So even like if they didn't, if there was a gap in the market there for a loose forward, you could even go to Abdul, right, do you want to go in as a fair team? But there's not that at the moment, so I don't think yeah. you can guarantee him a spot. On the bench, it, do you carry him? Because we did a few times last season and he was quite ineffective. He, he, he had a good game against Huddersfield in his first game back, but there was times where 
he'd come on at loose man and Minchella would go to prop or he'd come and do 20 yes. minutes in the half and he, he was just chopping and changing and then you lose a middle off the bench or you lose a hooker off the bench which I know Willie lo- loves to run with Matt Parcell and Jez Litton so it would have been tough and again if, if, if a player doesn't want to fight for his place and he sees his future elsewhere you can't you can't not blame them, but you can't be too disappointed because you want players who want to play for St. Helens. I want players who want to pull on OKR yeah. shirts. Castleford fans don't want kids who aren't bothered about Castleford. And I just think at the moment when we're recording this seven days out before the, you know, the opening game of the season, the derby, people are still a bit worried because obviously this loan to Catalan happened after... He'd got rid of Rowan Mills. He'd got rid of Jack Potter, the two half, the fourth, the third, yes. fourth choice half back last season. Jack Potter's gone to York. Obviously, Rowan's gone to Castleford. So now you kind of, you know, you're looking at, oh, we haven't got a fair, they haven't got a third choice proper halfback at the minute unless you, you're counting Jez Litton going to seven or young Lenny Ellison, yes. who's, who's only played one Super League game against Wigan because the chops and changed before the Challenge Cup final. So there's been names yes. rumoured, you know. You know, we've spoke about Luke Gale, haven't we, me and you a few times. The shot transfer, that's going to happen. Um, um, <laughs> ben Reynolds, Richie Myler, um, players like um, I've heard names like that, but nothing's come to fruition yet. And I know they're in for a prop forward as well, but there is nobody out there at the moment. They know they want to recruit there. And I don't think yeah. it's helped having to get rid of Abdul, but I think in the long run, once we get a third choice halfback in and we get another middle in, and then you've got your full squad, because there's a lot of academy players as well in the in the background as well, the reserves who I'm looking forward to seeing in the near future. But yeah, I just think that's why Rovers fans are a little bit worried at the moment because we haven't got a proper third choice halfback. And obviously we are relying on Tyro May and Mikey Lewis to click from the off, which yes. hopefully they do because that partnership excites me. But there's a lot of factors in that, isn't there? especially at the beginning of the season when there's a wet weather footy and it doesn't really suit that fancy style of play does it but yeah we'll see and we'll see what happens in Catalan you know you only have to look at Tom Johnson what he's done yeah um, he was he come bag a full season could he at Wakefield he's gone over there done a few seasons never missed a game and now he looks like he's probably coming back to West Yorkshire next season so you know Abdul might go over there and rip it up and you know Castle, there was that thing about a free transfer I don't know I don't even know if that is true to be honest I hadn't really done yeah, much digging but I, I don't I don't think article, uh, yeah it anyway. was in the article wanted but just from hearing a few things I don't think it would be as easy as a free transfer, but that's obviously for a different day. And if we even get to that bridge, but yeah, yeah. I don't think it'd be because everyone's obviously I've seen the everyone saying our oh, rovers are getting hard done by there, but I just don't think I'd be very surprised with them businessmen and everyone we spoke about earlier letting that deal happen. If you get me, but obviously I don't. Yeah, I yeah, don't. yeah. But yeah, we'll see. You know, I think he'll be all right for Catalan um, if he can stay on the field. And again, once that. Um, the, the hot weather and that will it suit his style of play the kicking well, game with the greasy ball and that you never know do you so and it'll be interesting to see when he plays against the Robins because we're playing three times this year so it'll be interesting to see how what many reception times, he gets how many times over in Catalan one, one over in oh, yeah one over in Catalan which is that's a shame isn't it <laughs> April yeah April so that's already booked from our end and then we get to play him at the I'll put it in brackets magic weekend at Ellen Road and then no we couldn't yeah, weekend. Um, yeah, Wookend. exactly. <laughs> at that ground. Don't but yeah, the major so, yeah, rebrand of Wookend, not, yes, not Weekend. Ex- yeah, and obviously <laughs> the times were wrong on that one, but that's um, typical rugby league. We're all sorted now. Yeah, not nothing worse than having it in Leeds at Ellen Road and then renaming it to Wookend instead of Weekend. Just to get down with the kids and get people in. <laughs> so, so now... We've got the main things out of the way, and that is Jordan Abdul and the coaching situation. We can go on to much more positive stuff. Carrying on with recruitment, you obviously seen the likes of Jordan Abdul leave. You've also seen quite a fair few departures of Kenny Dowell, obviously we mentioned with his retirement, and obviously Kane Lynette with his retirement. Um, Ethan Ryan's gone to Salford. Sam Wood to Cass, Jimmy Kynost has finally left after being on the fringes to York. Schneider's returned after his loan, but he's joined Penrith Panthers, which is quite yes. a good little coup for them. Yeah, <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. Um, Jack Walker's loan has obviously finished, and he's off to the other side, the dark side of Hull. <laughs> then we got Greg <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you got that in. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Then we got Greg Richards, who's gone to the south of France, you know, grand final winning Greg Richards, which is 
still <laughs> crazy to say. Yeah. <laughs> Rowan Milnes, we mentioned, went Cass, Reese Kennedy, which was a bit of a shock towards the back end of the season. Obviously, his wife was very vocal. His girlfriend or wife, I don't know what situation there are, or, yeah. was very vocal on Twitter saying, nope, this is our home. And it obviously wasn't because now he's got the bright lights of London. <laughs> And uh, Louis Johnson's gone to Cass, who he was—he never really made a major appearance for you, did he? he? He had his injury worries, didn't he? I think. Yeah, he didn't get a run of. He, he played about four games last season. Um, it was he, Tony Smith. I, I was quite surprised that he didn't go to Hull FC, me personally, because oh, Tony, right, okay. Tony really liked him um, when he was at Rovers. Obviously, was he the one that was at Warrington? Warrington. Yes, it was. He started yeah. at Cass, went to Warrington, um, complained like the back row and centre. He was going to represent Jamaica as well in the World Cup, but he got a little injury there as well. Yes. So he's had his issues. But he's a young kid, and he's one of them. He's a. He'll, He'll try hard for you, and he'll, you know, still got a lot of improvement. But yeah, I don't think he was. Um, he had a place at Rovers. So you've seen quite a lot of a turnover on the outside. With obviously Kenny Dow's a huge loss, but he's joined the coaching staff, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's one of his, his official titles, like head of pathways or something like that. But I think he's doing a bit of everything. Really, he wants to get yes. as much many feathers on his bows he can you know he's doing the, he's acting as an assistant coach to Willie Peters he's doing the reserve head coach with Dave Hodgson he's working with the 16s and 19s um, and then obviously helping the new lads obviously transition and things like that so he's doing a jack of all trades trying to get as much yeah, experience much as he can experience really that. so that's kind yeah. of good that you've still got his experience mm. around the squad and he seems to have really bought into the culture while he was here and you've replaced them with Gildart from the West Tigers and obviously Lee at the mm. back end of last season, which is, it could be quite a shrewd signing because I think he's only about 26. He seems yeah, to have been around yeah, for yeah. ages, but he's uh, he's still only a young young player who can still do a good job. Uh, Peter Hicku, as we mentioned before, from the Cowboys, who he's not your traditional full, well, He's not your modern day fullback in that sort of sense, I don't think. Because he's, I don't, he's... Think, I don't think he's a fullback in that sense. He's only played there a <laughs> yeah. few times. He's not played. He's not played fullback since he was about twenty-one. <laughs> That's again the big <laughs> so... calls, though, isn't it? By Willie, like we spoke about, and you know, you'll mention now Laval's probably next. Who's he marks as a winger? So it's... well, exactly. Yeah. Um, and obviously Tyrell May will be playing at six. Yeah. Nye Levels, who I thought would be the fullback, and I thought Hiku and. Uh, Opacic would be your two centres on the right and left centre. I thought Opacic would be moving to the left, but it seems like Gildart is yes, yeah, I agree. getting that yes. left centre spot because for me, Opacic is so much better on that left hand side. Yeah, um, it, was, it was at the heels, wasn't he, on that side? And... Yeah, and on the right, he just seems to be non existent. Um, mm. And then obviously, you've got uh, Tanganoa coming in for Kane Lynette and Joe Burgess, which was a real <laughs> yeah. shock, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> kind of a, came from nowhere with Salford and obviously whatever's gone on over there that we really shouldn't really discuss because no one, I think, knows. Um, and obviously you've got a couple of young lads in AJ Wallace and Reese Buff- uh, Butterworth from Dewsbury, who is a good good young player by the uh, by all yeah, accounts. Is, yeah. I think, did, he get, yes. did he get the... Player of the year, or yeah, he got League One Player of the Year. He was captain of Dewsbury last year, wasn't he? And obviously, he's played yes. for like Huddersfield, Bradford teams like that. But yeah, yeah, um, I think again, a lot of the Rovers have got Matt Parcell and Jez, they? So I don't think Butterworth will play loads this year. But I'd be very surprised if he didn't. He won't for the future because I know I don't think Parcell's got many years even you know left in Super League. I think he's eyeing up yes. calling it a day. And Neil to Chamber from Leeds. Ne- ne- Neil to Chamber, the winger, yes. Who's who's uh yeah I think there was a couple of Leeds fans that was a bit upset with his departure but I I, I personally haven't really heard of him but he must come from a good he's stock England, if they were a bit England's disappointed. Academy winger yeah pace to burn very athletic looks the part physically very long way to go on like skill wise and things yeah, like that yeah he's a, a very he's, 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 Rovers are going to have to mould him for a few years yeah. So, focusing on the more first-team players that will be in around, um, Peter Hicku playing full-back, as we mentioned, is a bold yeah. call because I think he's played centre for the past decade and a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Gildar, obviously, playing on that left edge. Like we said, it it could be a masterstroke, but I just 
I just personally would love to see Opa Chick on the left-hand side. Um, and the purchase of Jai Whitbread, and obviously Reese Kelly then got released for that. Mm. For the quota spot, I think that's great signing. Yeah. Um, I think he was... If if he was at any other team other than Wakefield, I think there'd be a lot of people going, wow, how did they get him? Um, because Wakefield were that poor, I think he went massively under the radar. I think he's a good unit and he will be really good for you guys as well. Yeah, only 26, I think, again, three-year deal. Um, only seen him for 40, 40 odd minutes or so against Leeds last week. Scored a try on debut, a little crash ball. Um, but I just think what you'll get with Whitbread is plenty of energy, plenty of effort, lots of runs and carries. He's very similar to what Rovers have got with the likes of George King and that, where, yeah, they might not run 20, 25 metres every carry, but what they will do is they'll run hard, get three men in at contact, win the ruck and get a quick play of the ball for Jez or Matt Parcell. And I think that's the way Rovers like to play. And he's got an engine on him. You know, he played 40. Minute yeah. in the first half, didn't look out of breath or out, went, got around his tackles and that. Sometimes he, he falls off his tackles a little bit, but I think that's just because of how much work rate he does. And, you know, you, people <laughs> have to compensate for that. But yeah, looking forward to seeing what he can do. And he's a bloody big bugger as well, you know. He's, um, if he can cause some headaches in the middle and get the markers in and, you know, he even acts as a decoy when they're putting shift players on and that, because with him and Tanganoa, obviously, if they can get on the field and stay fit and hopefully have a good healthy season, I think they'll be quite good signings. Them. I think they've been the big fish in a very small pond, haven't they, at Wakefield for a few years then too. Yeah, yeah, especially. In, um, and also with Whitbread, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Matty Lees and kind of the yeah. way he plays. Um, yeah, that no-nonsense kind of, but yeah, everything. No-nonsense, just I'm going to give me the ball and I'll run as hard as I can. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. And even in defence, he, he does have that work rate. I think he was Wakefield's top tackler. I know they did a lot, lot of defending. Yeah. Um, but that's no surprise. <laughs> Because, no. <laughs> uh, and and I think I think with that recruitment, it's giving you a solid foundation. And I think, like you were saying before, that Willie Peters kind of style, everyone working hard, working together. Um, that he will definitely fit into that sort of situation and that mentality definitely. Um, that's kind of where I think the signing of Joe Burgess has become a bit left field because there's kind of been rumours around Salford how true they are about his kind of, um, well, he obviously got dismissed for disciplinary yeah. reasons, that kind of mentality. Um, hopefully being under the likes of Willie Peters and the coaching setup at OKR kind of might get his attitude a bit a bit more, might unlock that um, player we've seen at Wigan and that we've seen at the Rabbitohs when he moved over from the Roosters. <laughs> yeah, I think they probably had a stand talk with him, though, aren't they? I think if you look at the overall picture, I know he signed a one-year contract, but Willie's probably gone to him. Look, but let's whatever's happened, happened. Move on from it. You know, Nala Valds is probably been training and will probably be the, the number two in the first few games. But there, where you've got Ryan all next season who probably will, you know, it could be his last season. So if you can impress, there's another contract on the table. Obviously, there's been talk about Tom Davis coming in for next season. But on the wings, Rovers don't have many, many proper options at the minute. You've got a lot of young kids, but they aren't ready to break through yet. You've got Louis Senior, who's off contract. So I'd be very surprised if he got another deal personally. And then you've got the likes of your Neil to Chambers and that were only 18 who were five, you know, maybe four or five years away from being a proper Super League winger. So the chances there for Bear, just, you know, even if they get Davis next year and you know, you'll have him and Avalds, and obviously we've spoke about what Nile Avalds can do at fullback if Petter Hickel's not working there and the, or he gets a little knock, you can put Avalds there and there'll be options for Bear just to come in. I don't think he's match fit at the moment because he didn't play against Leeds in the friendly. Um, I'd be very surprised if he played in the first few games. I don't think it'll be Avalds, but it's just a shame because obviously they've got the dual reg with Featherstone, but at the minute the championship teams are only playing 1895 Cups and I believe if Bear just played for Featherstone on dual reg in that Cup, he'd be cut tied in the Challenge Cup for OKR. So, oh, is that how it works? Yeah. So Rovers, obviously, they got beat to Batley all last week, um, Featherstone, but that would have been a good game for Joe Bear just to just get a run out in. But I think if yeah. he plays in that competition, because it's joint with Link. that competition, isn't it? it's obviously if they get through and all that and you know, the teams can progress, if they progress in the Challenge Cup and they wouldn't be in that 1895 Cup, I think that's why the rules apply there, yeah. All right. Okay. So, well, you know, even a, even a couple of championship games might yeah, we only have might, to, may well help him. And... Three four weeks, doesn't it? So, 
Yeah, I think well, theirs is later than ours, isn't it? This is mid March that starts. So, uh, so that'll be quite good to to get on. And finally, we'll go on to predicting how will Hull KR get on this year. Now, me personally, looking at the squad and looking at your um, coaching setup, as we've discussed with Danny Ward, the kind of uh, for me, it all relies on whether. Peter Hicku stays at fullback and does a good job at fullback. Um, I've no doubt Tyrell may just keep the camera away from him. <laughs> um, I've no idea <laughs> Tyrell may will will do a good job at six um, yes. and doing all that. It's it's just for me that fullback position. If Evold stays fit and Hicku doesn't do a great job there, you can always slot him in at centre and Evold can go fullback, which isn't. A drastic switch, but it's. I think you're. I've predicted your top four. I've, I've. I'm putting your third. I'm putting my neck out there. Um, I think you will finish as high as that. Of course. Um, Thank you for that. <laughs> but. <laughs> but uh, I think for me, it just hinges on that fullback slot. If Hiku doesn't um, adapt well um, to that, I, I mean, there's no reason he can't apart yeah. from the, you know. The, the the ten year gap between him playing <laughs> playing for the Kiwis at fullback and then playing yeah. <laughs> playing at OKR at fullback yeah. is a massive one. We've seen what he was like at centre with Warrington and at the Cowboys in the past couple of years. So um, that for me is is the big point. Um, but what are your predictions? Because I'm only a Saints fan, mate. I don't I don't see I don't focus on OKR as much as as much as a love rugby league, as much as a Hull KR fan. So, what do you reckon, Joe? I think with everything you've mentioned there, and we spoke earlier, didn't we, about talking the talk, you've got to walk the walk. I think realistically, the squad on paper, you're looking at that and you think you've got to be in the playoffs. You've got to be in the playoffs. Um, I'd love top four again. Of course I would. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think they'll get there. I think they'll be in the top six. I've put them fourth in on my predictor. Some yeah. of my friends have even gone second, um, but I don't think that. I just think consistency yeah, and learning. I think, on the, I think yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think fourth. Up. But I'm again, I'm going to put my neck out here as well, and this will make for a great story of you know former Hull KR reporter makes shock prediction <laughs> for 2024. Um, I'll email this Cam Patterson, don't worry. Between me and you, will know what that means. I know you've just said that. Yeah, I'm putting my neck out. I think the Get over that Wembley outbreak this year. I think they're going to go and win the challenge. Oof, oof, that's a bold prediction. And, um, and if they, and if they do, it's not, it's not that, out of the, it's not out of real. It's it's not out of the ground of you reality. Get. You've got to ride the wave, and I think we did it perfect last year. We we beat Batley fifty nil in the first round. Then we got Salford. Um, obviously beat Salford at home in the quarterfinal, which was tough, you know, that um, they're a good team on the day, aren't they? I know there was having a few difficulties at the time, but so were Rovers um, injury-wise. Then you beat Wigan in the semi, where you know when you get to a semi, you're going to have to beat a St. Helens, you're going to have to beat a Wigan, a Catalan, a bigger team, yeah. aren't you? Um, so if you can do that, and again, I imagine the next time Rovers get to a major final, hopefully that is this season, I don't think it will be against a team like Lee. I think it'll be against either you guys or Wigan or Catalan or someone like that. That's why I say that was last year was the best chance we'll ever get to win it. But heartbreak and that motivation can you know, can tip you over, can't you? There is that core group yeah. of players and we're still there and I know it hurt Willie Peters a lot and obviously Kenny Dow losing the coaching staff. They want to bring silverware now and at the moment, as much as... I have this argument with my friends. They all want grand finals and things. I think for Rovers, realistically, again, this season, the best chance of winning silverware probably comes at Wembley. But I'd like to think that could happen. And I think, could they win that and carry on and get in the top six? Yeah. And if they won the Challenge Cup and they petered out a little bit at the end and, you know, in the finish fifth or sixth, even if there was at the top at the time of that, then that's fair enough. But you've got to actually get there first. It's all right, me predicting it. You've got to, you know, I'm not, trying to cause thingy of trouble or here or whatever but I just think that derby as much as it's the first game of the season round one and it's the biggest game for both clubs you know rivalry wise I just think you've got to be beating teams like Hull and then we've got Salford away you've got to be picking teams like that off again if you want to be at the top echelons of the league again I think in the first seven rounds for me I just think you've got to 
get away from, get off the blocks, don't get caught in the middle and the bottom pack because you don't want to be chasing the season and you want confidence and things. But then injuries, you know, full-back situations, half-back situations, everything comes to fruition, doesn't it? And by round two, someone probably have a season ender and there'll be, you know, debates flying everywhere already. It's what happens in rugby league. But in the here and now, seven days before the season, looking forward to it. And yeah, hopefully that my predictions come true. But I'd be happy with yours as well. Fair, it'd be nice. Yeah, but please, Joe, remember, doesn't matter if you win seven or eight games. Just don't over-celebrate, lose to Saints and Wigan, and then go on a massive downward spiral. <laughs> I'd, I, well, if, if that happens, I'm going to, if we win seven on the bounce, I'll take Willie Peters in four in on my local and he can take Rovers on top of the league. And we've got some big boys coming back for Catalan away next week. <laughs> Oh, still the greatest video to happen. Still the best of last video of all time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about trophies, but you pretty much summed it up in that little prediction. Right, so, oh, Rovers, well, yeah. you've heard it here first. You've heard it here first. Rovers <laughs> are going to win the Challenge Cup. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? And I'm, I'm not just. I'm saying. I'll say Rovers Challenge Cup. I'm not just saying it's a. You know, lick the rambling of a Saints podcast. I think you or Wigan will either win either the league leaders or and the other one will win the grand final, but I can't decide yet. I think Wigan are a, a bit of an enigma out there. They've probably got one of the best teams on paper ever that Super League's ever seen, but you've, they've already picked up injuries. Anderson, Assemba, Walters, yep. people like that. If they can click, we know they've got the star quality. Obviously, you know, you're in a bit of a transition, aren't you, about Roby and stuff now, new captain and that, but I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'll probably butcher this name. Is it Wacker Blake? I'm looking forward to seeing him. It's Wonga. Wonga? <laughs> Bloody hell. Well, what's Wonga. the for then? Yeah, yeah, I've seen him for the Eels and that. Um, I think on his days, but yeah, he's, he's going to be good. I'm um, looking forward to seeing him. And also Matt Whitley. I'd have liked him to come to Rovers, but yeah, I think he'll be a good signing for you guys. Yeah. Well, Saints Academy lad, and we let him go because yeah. you know, we didn't think he was good enough. And well, sometimes that makes a player though, doesn't it? So that little heart break and then... And then you you go to win this. You end up turning Saints down when they come back for you at 22 to go to Catalan, spend a few years in the sun and then return home. A good, solid second row. And I, like, like I was saying, I mean, Saints' strength in depth as an all-round team, I think it's, I think it's the best in the league as in that depth that we've got. It's um, the young, lad, it's the young and, lads and, as well for me. Yeah, the young lads, mate, they, they played superb against Salford and also yeah, yeah. friendly. But the, we've got a young lad called Sambu, who's older brother Juma. He's now at Oldham, but he is he's he's gonna be a great centre. And we've got is he, is Johnny he the Vaughan. one who scored the full length for us all the hours. Yeah, 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 straight from the scrum. And we've got Johnny Vaughan who's the, the Great best, Britain. The youth best captain. name, Johnny Vaughan. Johnny Vaughan. Yeah, well, big breakfast, isn't he? Exactly, yeah. Um, he, uh, and I think I think players like Delaney and that as well. George Delaney will just come into his own in the next few years. He's got, a great we've player. Young, we've got another young prop in Noah Stevens. Look out yes. for the name because he'll be he'll be playing a few games this year, and he is. I'm not messing a monster. Yeah, like, seeing him, he towered over, but he half of the team. He was he was as wide as he was tall. I was like Jesus. He's uh, he's I think he's only 19 and and. That them young players and that development at both Saints Wigan, your leads, um, and now with the whole kind of academy growing, like you guys can hopefully start yeah. to see that. Um, well, that, that's, that, that's that's probably you, you where the difference is. I mean, yeah, they've split up the academy, haven't they? Now, don't both clubs have the because it used yeah, to be the so, same yeah, academy, back, didn't it? Yeah, it's been back for about five years now. Yeah, so Rovers have got their elite yeah. academy now, so well. But yeah, I think that's been the issue from probably both sides of the city, you know, to break it down a little bit before we finish. But yeah, you mentioned them guys there from you when you look at your teams and Wiggins and even Warrington to some extent. They've got a lot of lads playing now um, who are from their own academy, whereas you go from Rovers and, you know, Mikey Lewis is from obviously Rovers, is, but then Jez, Jez Litton played for Hull as a kid and moved over to Rovers, yeah. same as Dean Adley, people like that. But they've got some good lads coming through, you know, Zach Fishwick, Leo Tennyson, two prop forwards, still need a lot of game time. That and again, Fishwick, is he the one that's 17 and looks about 
30. He was the, he was the Luke Littler of Rugby League. Yeah, the Luke Littler of Rugby League. Um, yeah, and then <laughs> I think the most promising one, mate, is um, a centre-slash-fullback, um, Louis Gorman. Um, he, okay. scored, he scored against Sheffield last week, two tries, and then he came on for 20 minutes against Leeds and got, got a try as well. He's originally a centre, um, Ireland Youth International, um, so he's hopefully pushing for an international spot as well soon. But he's he's one of them where Willie's earmarked him as he breathes, he trains, he eats all okay out the way. The whole KR way is one of them. He's he's switched on. He, he knows what he wants. He's very humble. Um, and yeah, he's got a bright future ahead. But that's the thing I think from Rovers, as good as it is having all these power board and investing, hopefully they can invest a big into the youth academy yeah. now and get that sorted. So every few years you're getting a Mikey Lewis. Every few years you're getting a Louis exactly. Gorman or a Jess Litton because gone that you know you, you've got to produce your own now. And I'm very surprised. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think IMG put a bit of an emphasis as well on it in the future because I don't think yeah, that's what the I think I think, I think the the categories need changing drastically with that yeah. sort of side of it. Um, yeah, but they do. like we, we know it's a work in progress, um, yeah, and hopefully they're, they're listening to clubs because I know Mike Rush has come out about the categorizing of our catchment areas uh, the likes of london the fact that theirs is i think it's like molten or something like that yeah. um wherever they're based and it's like one little district of london it's like mate they've got the whole of north london basically where wimbledon yeah. is and it's like that's where they can base it and then but all that sort of stuff but the final point on hull kr is i think the, the whole thing that summed up hull kr's um transition over the last five years with the academy as we've just ended on, is a week ago, they post. I think it was a week ago, they posted a photo, and it was like the team photo, but it wasn't just the first team of men's, it was the women's, the academy, yeah. the coaching setups of each team, and it was kind of everyone in one big unit. And I put a tweet out saying, this is how you change a club, you build a culture, you build that foundation up from the ground. And that picture just summarised everything that Hull KR have achieved over the last five years. And I think I think it's something to be drastically proud of as a fan. Um, both a rugby league fan, it doesn't matter. Even if you are from West Hull, you should be proud of seeing that. And you should be going, why isn't our team striving to be that? And if you're a championship club like York who are building something, if you are a... Um, you know, a uh, 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 London, for example, who've scored low on IMG, you should be looking at the off-field stuff and going, right, this is what we need to build and this is where we need to be in five, ten years because that transition and that picture, it was a beautiful sight to see. Yeah, it's a good photo, mate. And it's like I said, there's a there's a bit of a buzz around the club now, obviously on the back of what they did last season. But it is noticeable, you know, there's all these youth teams now, the women's and the girls teams. You've got, you know, under 14s girls. And I just think in this day and age in technology and TikToks and everyone wanting to be perfect, that the fact there's still like girls in year eight and nine who want to put on the rugby shirt and play for Rovers. I love stuff like that. I think that's great. And you want to see in the stands as well. You know, when I was in year 10 and 11, so like nearly a decade ago now, there was me and my mates and there was obviously younger kids, but there wasn't loads. It was all like, mid, you know, my dad's ages and stuff like that. Whereas yeah. now... You go in the East Stand, it's rammed. It's full of young kids and full of young girls and that are wearing the Rovers kits, you know, obsessed with your Mikey Lewis's of the world and stuff. And I just think that's great, you know, that there's a real vibe around Craven Park now, obviously, with Craven Street, and that's going to get bigger and better, the extension and what they want to do to the full campus, which will obviously, in years to come, yes. but they are, they are getting the ball rolling. So, yeah, off the field, really, really strong. They're heading in the right direction. Just got to keep it going on the field now. And hopefully a bit of silverware could transform it to that next level because you only have to see if, what it would do to this city, if they got, especially this side of the city, if they manage yeah. to do it as well. Because I think that's that's the next thing now. Let's break that duct. Let's get over the line and then... I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to call it a dynasty could happen, but just a bit more, you know, that'd probably be the turning point now. Just keep the momentum. Yeah, exactly. You've got to keep the momentum, aren't you? Because then that's in the little things we know about recruitment cycles. No one's going to want to come to a team who's 11th or 10th. You've got to be attractive on and off the field. And I think that's what they are doing. And, you know, well, may that continue. And hopefully the red V and the red and whites might play out a few finals in years to come. <laughs> hopefully very much so. And, you know, 8,000 season ticket sold, mm. I think I said, which is yeah. Biggest unreal. Ever, which is brilliant. 
I think that's I think that's upwards of where Saints is. I think Saints are around the eight thousand mark or have been for a few years. So that is like the fact that the fact that you are doing that with such a small capacity stadium compared mm. to what is like that's drastic. Having them fans in every week, that's only going to be good. And I think we're going to wrap it up here. So thank you, Joe, for joining us on the Ramblings of a Saint podcast. Um, have you enjoyed it? <laughs> Absolutely loved it, mate. You know, it's um, it's been great to talk and it gets me in the mood now, doesn't it? It gets you in the mood for the season. You know, we're not far away now. And exactly. Yet. I'm, I'm, recording, sure, I'm, I'm sure, sure we'll catch up in Craven Street for a pan when you come over this side. Well, as long as my coach isn't late like last time. I heard that. I was, yeah, I remember in traffic, that. I remember and it was, <laughs> it was like, I was like, oh, well... There's there's my grand entrance to Craven Street after after <laughs> giving mes- loads of grief to Hull, Hull FC. <laughs> the Messiah <laughs> the Messiah's return isn't quite there, but hopefully this year I'll get a pint on Craven Street and we will see you. Good luck to Hull KR and we will see you soon on the next one. Thank you very much for listening.